welcome to the Geek Night In, episode 50. Hooray! Woo! We eventually hit a milestone. We did it. Yay! I am your host, Laura, and I'm here this week with Kate. Yay! Hello, that's me. That is you. And I'm also here with Gemma. Hello, this is me. We are here. We are going to talk about geeky things. It's going to be great. Who has a place they'd like to start this week? I will and... start because I haven't been on for a few weeks. I've been busy working. Boo. Boo. Boo, work. Boo. And jobs work. and income sources. No. <laughs> Count as that. Okay. What have I I watched some films this week. I watched <laughs> two films. Um, one was The Martian and one was Sicario, we think it's pronounced. <laughs> it's always a bad, bad sign when you don't know how to say the name of the film you saw. Well, the other one we, I remember one we had at work was um, Ex Machina, and there was a whole, is it Ex Machina, is it Ex Machina, and people would say Ex Machina, which was fine, but then you'll get, always get some twat who was like, oh, you know Latin, and it's Ex Machina, and you'll just be like, shut up and pay your money. Yeah, but it, it is Ex Machina. It is Ex Machina. <laughs> but they don't even say it in the film so it doesn't really matter <laughs> the, um, the Martian is based on a book which my boyfriend has just read and says is amazing um, and it's basically about a guy who gets stranded on Mars and the uh, movie has Matt Damon in it and I started reading the book and I wanted to watch has Sebastian Stan in it who plays Bucky in The Winter Soldier <gasps> Bucky's in it <gasps> a Kate husband let's be honest and uh, I'm, I think he's dating like a supermodel now but I'm sure once he meets me he'll be like oh what a fool I was um and then it has Matt Damon in it and I was like oh you can't go wrong with Matt Damon and I started reading the book but it's like science 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 and it's like a proper info dump so I thought oh I'm not really that interested in the in this I'm sure it'll play better on screen it will you know be slightly more engaging and I went to go see it with my sister and my brother my brother-in-law um like really enjoyed the books he was really excited about it me and my sister were just you know hmm, all this has fun and it was really good it was a really good film the first sort of 20 minutes half an hour was very dull i was thinking oh this was a mistake like i'm not enjoying this film um and then sebastian standing in it obviously um but matt damon was terrible like the character apparently in the book is really funny and really engaging and like quite sarcastic and he's just so miserable and annoying in the film like I didn't I've never disliked Matt Damon and now I really don't like him yeah now here's the thing like the the jokes been going around ever since that film Team America happened where everyone's just (laughs) like you know Matt Damon as an actress is like oh Matt Damon and I've I've never really thought there's much to that caricature until The Martian and that is my moment where like yeah it's like this is the film where I'm like yeah, that caricature actually works. He's so boring in it. His his entire character is, I am a man. I am trapped on Mars. Will anyone get me home? He's supposed to be like quite uh... intelligent and quite funny um, in, the, in the book. Hmm. And I could see where the writing was kind of pushing for that. But he was just very soulless, I thought. It was a really sort of dead performance and i was quite disappointed otherwise it was a good film i'd recommend it yeah. and the other in- one sicario was just the weirdest film i've ever seen in my life well not the weirdest film but it was pretty weird it was pretty weird my boyfriend is looking at me like you have seen weirder films but it was still <laughs> pretty weird um the martian like the book wise um as i understand it a lot of the slow burn at the beginning is because like it literally has like here is a ton of stuff about like scientific formulas <laughs> I, which I like. I mean, my boyfriend liked, and I've started reading it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's interesting. I am interested in science, but surely there's a way to do it that isn't just a you know three pages of it. Can't you dot it around a little bit and kind of make um, not I don't, not in layman's terms, not like make it really like simple and oh the sun is good and things like that, but um, just make it more appealing and make it so somebody who isn't very good at science and maybe, you know, like me, quit after GCSE <laughs> to go, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Just like, a little more accessible, film. maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, accessible. But it was a good film. Sebastian Stan, oh, beautiful man. Um, but it did have Rooney Mara or Kate Mara. I can't remember one of them, and I hate them both. So that kind of ruined it for me. 
Yeah, so so what is this Sicario, Sicario film you uh, saw? What, what was it? Lord. I don't know what it was about. I don't know. I've seen trailers for it, and we'd kind of been talking about it at work. Oh, this sounds good, this sounds good. And it has M. Blunt in it, Josh Brolin, and who was the other guy? Harry, who was the other guy in Sicario? Um, um, Benicio. Benico. Benicio. Benicio, sorry. Benicio Del Toro, who's not related to the guy who directed Pacific Checked, um, which disappointed me. But basically, this is what I got out of it. You've got Brolin, is like some secret guy in the CIA or the FBI or something. And he, mate, is um, Benicio Del Toro. And they're like, we want to take down the drug cartels, so we're going to get Emily Blunt, the FBI, to help us. And Emily Blunt spends the entire film like, why am I even here? What are we doing? And like, has no idea. And then they kill some people, and then that's kind of the act. <laughs> it was so, it had like three plot points. Like, her getting um, recruited and not knowing what's going on, her kind of finding out what's going on and being like, oh, I'm questioning myself. And then at the end, kind of their objective, which they kind of achieved, and she's just kind of upset about it. And that's the end of the film. Oh, that sounds weird. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Like, the cinema of it was beautiful, but it was just a really, like, they kind of went, oh, here's an idea. And it was like, well, where's the rest of it? Oh, no, that'll do. (laughs) At least with The Martian, it it can benefit from being, like, it's clearly going to be the second film in part of a trilogy with Saving Private Ryan, in which basically Hollywood spends vast amounts of money saving Matt Damon. It has that going for it. Sorry? Is he Private Ryan? Yeah. I've never seen Private Saving Private Ryan. But oh, so um, the day I went to go and see it, I was with my sister and her husband. And um, my brother-in-law was like, oh, I absolutely hate Matt Damon. My sister's like, shut up. You absolutely loved Saving Private Ryan. And he was really offended and it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What did, what did I watch this week? Um, oh, I saw the finale of The Great British Fake Off this week. Oh, oh, oh Lord. How oh. did it turn out? Um, I'm not ready. Okay. I, I, I am ready, but I am not ready at the same time. I do know who won. I have watched it, but I'll... Okay, With, okay without ruining who won, we're going to stay spoiler-free. Um, oh, no, well, I don't know. I can't watch it. Okay, okay. If you don't want spoilers for The Great British Bake Off, skip ahead like 30 seconds, because I'm just going to acknowledge who won. Um, go. Nadia won, and that is the yes. best thing, and I'm so happy, because <laughs> Nadia won, yeah, and... I watched the one episode that I instantly decided I wanted Nadia to win. Yeah, Nadia and Tamar both made it to the final, which is great. And the boring white guy didn't win. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, the Great British Bake Off finale happened. And it was a really strong finale throughout. Um, I am am so happy that the person who won, won. Mm. Like, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy about who got to the final. Um, What I will say, my favourite thing from that finale was... The speech that was given by the person who won at the end. I have posted that mm-hmm. speech on my university Facebook group. And obviously with the open university, it's quite sort of adult learners, people who haven't been to uni, um, or maybe haven't even done A-levels and things like that. And it can be really tough. And I posted this little speech that the winner gave. And people, you know, even people that didn't watch were like, that's a really inspiring message that is very relevant yeah especially to older people like anybody who has kind of left school thank you sweetheart um and is going on to do things somebody in the ou group was like oh i don't even see the point of great british bake-off and everyone was like slammed them down (laughs) (laughs) it's like that that speech may have made me cry because it's like the gist of the speech for people who haven't seen it is basically like the person who won has their moment of I'm never going to tell myself that I can't do something ever again. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And it's just like, oh, it's so sweet. And then Mary Berry's like, oh yeah, the person who won really deserved to won. And then she gets all choked up and has to walk out of shot. And it's all so sweet. And this show melts my heart and makes me so happy. I love the Bake Off. We've got The Apprentice coming back next week. Gemma, do you, have you had a chance to watch the car crash that is The Apprentice? Oh, I saw the first couple of seasons. I think I mentioned in a previous episode. Yeah, I had to stop watching it because I just if you, <laughs> too if much you've face seen the first, If you've seen the first couple of seasons, you've seen every season. I do not remember a single contestant from any series of that no, show. That's because they're all... They're I all... remember it. Remember. Yeah. 
they're all terrible, faceless douches. No. But that's the thing. It's like, we watched Great British Bake Off, and I've been watching it. My mum my and my sister have been watching it since the first season. I think I checked the second season. And, you know, now it's sort of this whole thing that just English people or British people even are obsessed with. And Americans are like, what are you doing? And we're like, shut up, this is important. Yeah, like, my, my thing I want to do um, once I've got some free time again is I want to go back and watch some of the old seasons of the Bake Off because there's yeah. so much Bake Off I've never watched. But it is good. I mean, it's always been good and it always has been. And this is what we were saying on that Open Uni group is it has always been a, a, people. I mean, the, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the um, advert. Gemma, obviously, you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> Excluding you a lot, I'm sorry. But um, there's, a, there's a television advert out at the moment for the Open University and it's the the biggest thing you'll learn is what you're capable of. Mm. And that's kind of what it is with Bake Off. And then me and my mum were watching Bake Off. We'd both cried. We'd both, you know, it'd been a lovely season, been a lovely episode. And then mum went, oh, what are we going to do next? then you know this is a big chunk of our life. And then the advert The Apprentice came on and we went, oh, okay. And I do love The Apprentice and a great telly, but it is the opposite of Bake Off in terms of feel-good factor. Mm. With even the people you don't like, like the Ollie Murs guy at the beginning of the season, what was yeah. that about? You still didn't hate him. Yeah. Whereas there are people from Apprentice I would genuinely stab in the like, face. At the very worst on the Great British Bake Off, I feel about people like, hey, I don't like I don't enjoy you as a person I don't necessarily want you sticking around for the whole show but I really hope that you achieve what you want to achieve and that like you that this show really sort of reignites your passion for your own baking skills Mm. at the very least I want to see you come out of this show really happy and proud of what you did I I can't say that for The Apprentice (laughs) I think a good a good counterpoint is like from um, one of the people who has come out quite strong from Great British Bake Off is a woman called Chetna who um, used a lot of Indian cooking last year and has now got like recipe books and things. And also Ruby Tando, mm. who was in it last year and there was like controversy about whether Paul Hollywood fancied her and stuff. <laughs> um, and she was like, this is ridiculous. But just, you know, has done quite well out of it, you know, is now a bit of um, kind of popular culture. The Apprentice has given us Katie Hopkins. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. I forgot. I the forgot. She- oh. Yeah, and she turned down a place the final and then said no I don't want to do it she you know stood down from it so if you if anybody you know who maybe hasn't watched those or would never want to watch these shows is going how can there be such a dichotomy they're both reality tv shows they're both for a big they're both done you know supposedly on achievement we have you know Chetna, Ruby, Tamal, Ian, Nadia and then Katie Hopkins. (laughs) Well I I think I think in many many ways the Great British Bake Off and The Apprentice are the complete like polar opposites in terms of uh, BBC television where the Bake Off is a very feel-good show in which the prize um, is never mentioned except for once offhandedly in the finale mm. it never gets brought up like the purpose of it this is like yeah it is not about beating each other and winning at all costs and getting the prize it's about doing the best you can do and getting as far as you can and learning what you're capable of doing in terms of stretching your limits as a baker. And on the other hand, you've got, um, you've got the apprentice, which is, um, the prize is mentioned every five minutes and it is entirely a show about like, um, I will win at all costs, no allegiances to anyone. I will tear down anyone I have to, to get there. It's this horrible. Yeah. It's like, it's just this horrible show of like, People of people horridly fighting over like things and at the expense of each other, and the whole time you're watching it, it's just like, no, I it, with the Bake Off, I kind of wish everyone could win, and with The Apprentice, it's like, who do I least want? Like, who do I least hate? I yeah. guess that they should maybe win because I'd hate to see someone else win. It is a good show, and I will say, like, I watch it and I find it interesting. But it is, you know, how like Monopoly, the game was invented to show it was a socialist game. It was invented to show how capitalism is. Mm. So is The Apprentice. It is like invented to show how dangerous this whole survival of the fittest is, because this is what it produces. Oh God! And every contestant is an idiot that is stupid and decides. 
oh, we've had video cameras following us all day. It'd be a smart idea to lie about what I did and didn't <laughs> do. Because it's not like the camera crew or the people, who, like the team members who've been following us are going to say, no, that's not true and call us out on the bullshit in the in the in the boardroom now like so am i but it's it's the opposite show like um the bake-off is something that you watch when you're happy to be like this is perfect and lovely and it makes me smile Mm -hmm. the uh the apprentice is something you watch when you need to vent some frustration and to Mm -hmm. swear at something and be like you're an idiot i'm excited for it i'm excited but what kind of do you have in sweden Gemma? are there any that you like that either you enjoy or is really really big in sweden Sorry, what TV shows or reality TV shows? Oh, yeah. Uh, having a clue, I don't watch TV in Sweden. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it's partly I because... English telly. Uh, well, actually, no, it's just because I don't watch TV generally. We don't have a TV aerial. Okay. I used to, though, when we um, for the first 11 months in Sweden, we lived in a hotel, so we actually had TV with reception and stuff. And <laughs> you, you're, you're not going to be surprised by this. The show I was really into was a, a show called Porsche Borat. It was a, um, it is a long-running uh, kind of a, a game show uh, for four contestants who sit in mock railway carriages. I was waiting for how long is it going to take for you to say the word train? No, hear me out on this. Because <laughs> the, the, the core part of the show is they get shown video footage of like a camera stuck at the front of a train and it's going down railway tracks. Um, and as they do this, the, the hosts read out various facts and um, riddles about places along that route. And oh, the goal is to name the, the start and the finish of this train route. Can, but can at the I end just of say, it, I, I don't think this show actually exists. I think you're making this up right <laughs> now to troll us. It was a it is, dream. <laughs> It is one of Sweden's most popular shows. <laughs> really? Um, usually with older people, it's kind of in the, the class of Antiques Roadshow. No wonder you fit in so well in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> but what I loved was, I mean, uh, to finish ex- explaining, um, they, they then do bits of like a, um, almost like a tour guide thing. Once the, the journey has been guessed, they'll um, explain bits about the city and various travel things related to it. And although I can't follow most of it, there's a bit of banter and little jokes about local quirks and things. So I did watch one episode where the the destination was Bristol. So they had this whole like minute long sketch about this is Bristol. And here are some parts of like nearby Bath Spa and all this sort of thing in Swedish. Um, But my favorite bit is that the very first episode I saw um, a couple of days after we arrived in Sweden had two stretches of railway line, uh, including Hamburg to Lübeck. And Malmö to, I think it was Nesjö, both of which we'd been on like a couple of days previous. So I actually guessed two of the three rounds of this Swedish game show, despite <laughs> not knowing any Swedish. I'm just recognizing it based on train footage. You had like, you're psychic, but very in very specific ways. <laughs> I, I feel like this is like some people say oh I should go on mastermind and so and so should be my specialist subject I think Gemma needs to go on the Swedish train show <laughs> but what I love is like the, similar to Bake Off actually they have a really nice banter kind of dynamic going between the guests and the hosts I don't know if the guests are particularly like minor celebrities or anything because if they are just people from the public they seem very relaxed but there are all sorts of jokes shared, and it's quite gentle. If anything, it's like QI-style humour. And okay. it's very like QI in some ways, but with trains. I want to see you go on the trains version of QI. Gemma, if you can like find on the internet if there's like a application process, please apply. I would love this. <laughs> I'll just turn up in like a few years' time once I can speak Swedish just on this show. Yeah. You can speak enough Swedish. You could understand what's going on. <laughs> Just shout out the names of train stations, you'll be okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll just do that. That'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Did you um did you have anything else you wanted to talk about this week, Gemma? Well, we've got kind of a heavy topic which can leave for a bit. Um I'm going over my notes because I've had a very geeky fortnight. Um Super Geek. Yeah. Oh I, I did just start watching Twin Peaks. That's Ooh. a thing. How have you <laughs> I I I'm like Half a seat? No, I've had the first season. I can't remember. I'm like half a season in, I think. 
I've only seen the pilot episode one and two. I literally just watched episode two, so I'm still slightly in the headspace where all I can hear is jazz music in the background. How, how are you super... finding Twin Peaks so far? I love it. It's it it, it it was a little bit strange at first, but it immediately hooked me in. And I, I really love the way the characters are written. I love the humor in it. And I love the weirdness. Mm. I mean, I'm on episode two now, which um, I'm obviously not going to go spoilers because I want to avoid them myself. I've managed to go unspoiled. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah episode yeah, two I has the scene that everyone knows well, from Twin Peaks, where it's the dream sequence in like a lounge room and you've got everyone's talking like they've recorded the dialogue backwards and then they're playing it forwards again so they all sound a bit yep 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 and moving in strange ways and the only time i'd seen that previously was in the simpsons so so the whole episode with um uh it's the episode where crusty um gets uh framed for uh robbery in the quickie mart Mm. and it turns out to be Sideshow Bob. Spoilers for a show that's 20 years old. Um, but there's a sequence in that where Bart falls asleep and then Lisa comes to him in a dream just talking about, look at the shoes and all this sort of thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, that scene makes so much sense now. So, yeah. But, my goodness, that, that yeah. it's so rich in character and humour. And yeah, I'm totally hooked by it. What, what I will warn you is that um, after the first season, and particularly toward the end of the show's run, it goes a little off the rails. It is not great by the end of what is available. Um, like it is still worth watching through all of it, but like it kind of goes downhill in quality somewhat as it goes on, which is really unfortunate. Like the first season's well, really solid. He didn't want to do it, did he? Well, he yeah, kind of mm. done with it. He only wanted it to be one season, and then he was like, "Ugh, more." Yeah, and sort of as a protest because he was like locked into a contract and had to make some more of it. He was like, "Ugh, yeah. fine, this, that, whatever," because like he had a specific ending for it that he was kind of forced into not being able to do the way he wanted. Um, that all being said. I am very excited for more Twin Peaks when that happens because filming, I think, has started already, which is good. (sighs) (sighs) I want more Twin Peaks in my life. Yeah, that was initially my um, motivation for starting, like when I heard about season three being announced. And obviously some time has passed since then, but we kind of wanted to get through a few other series that we were watching. So we're now balancing that with Blackadder, the second, which we just finished. That that is some of the best written comedy ever. (laughs) Yeah, I did just... I I must have told you my Blackadder goes forth story. That when I I watched Blackadder goes forth. I don't know. Have you? Tell us your story. story, But um, basically when when I was in year eight, we went on a trip to uh, France. I just think, I was like, where did we go? France. (laughs) Um, to the battlefields uh, around Albert. And, uh, we didn't get as far as Ypres, I think, but we went to Albert um, for one battlefield. And while we were on the coach, because most of it was spent on the coach, we only went overnight and we had loads to fit in. It was a really, really good tour. And we were, some of us, you know, were sort of 11 and 12. And then we had people right up to, like, year 11. Um, but we watched Blackadder Ghost Horse, like, the entirety of it. And as we were coming back, like, driving, um, you know, back from Dover to... Um, where I live, Chippenham, that's where I lived. Um, it was the last episode of Blackadder Goes Forth and we were all really, really emotional. And oh. it, kind of, it was a really good way, I think. Like, we'd seen all this stuff and we'd heard all these facts and we had got quite emotional at various points during the trip because it was quite emotional. But then for the teachers to then put it with these characters that we'd spent laughing and then kind of really, you know, punch us in the gut with it and just be like, this is what it is, this is history. Yeah. And this it's is just that happened. moment of, like, really humanising those actual people who were involved in the battles and I think it was a good way. And slight segue, but we can come that is one of the reasons I'm so irritated about the suffragette film because of the historical inaccuracies in terms of only having white people in it like this film this suffragette film is going to be a major turning point in popular culture's view of um the suffrage movement in the early 20th century in the UK in the way that goes forth has been used to educate children on world war one and like I watched to learn about genocide I hotel rwanda we didn't get told anything we just watched a film on it hotel rwanda which you know if that film has got certain beliefs in it you will then absorb those films those fact those 
values as fact. So I can guarantee mm. that some teachers will show kids this suffragette film and be like, that's what the suffrage movement was about. Well, and this is such yeah. a defining moment and it's going to fail. But anyway, well, it's, no, 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 you are totally right. Cause like this year has a big problem for that. Cause there's the suffragette movie and then there's also Stonewall and it's like, Oh yeah, this is going to be a year for some films. We're going to look back on and regret. Like historical, I get that historical films are difficult to get, but difficult to do. Um, but, I struggle to find many historical films that have really appealed to a mass audience and been historically accurate in that they haven't whitewashed um, history. And like studying history, I've got back into my, I'm back at uni, I'm really getting into it. And it's just so, I can see how easy it is for these um, like fallacies to be spread and to be um, perpetuated. It's just so easy because it like I said on Twitter today somebody posted on my open uni Facebook group like um blog thing that was a it was a blog of a documentary that was similar to something we were studying and I was like oh that's really cool analyze it as if it was in our textbook like also this is this kind of source and that's that kind of analysis like oh isn't that cool and someone was like just don't critique it just enjoy it I was like do you understand what our like do you do you understand what we're doing right now just because it isn't in a textbook doesn't mean you don't have to analyze it all so i can see how easy it is that people just go along like la 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 television is correct blah blah carry on yay um so other things to talk about this week i want to talk about a video game i've been playing this week i've been playing a game called undertale Jammer, do you have any awareness of this game? No, I don't think I do. I was expecting Battlefront, actually, because everyone's playing that. No, no, no. I'm I'm busy playing my little sweet little indie game. Um, So, Gemma, have you ever played Earthbound? Uh, no. Okay, so Undertale is a PC JRPG. It's a little top-down 2D role-playing game, and... It's got a very quirky sense of humour. And the whole idea of this is that you are a young child of indeterminate gender that has fallen down a hole into the world of monsters. And you want to get through and get home. And there's a load of monsters everywhere. Very simple plot to start off with. And sort of the gimmick of this game is that you don't have to fight any enemy in the game. Uh, Boss fights, random encounters, none of them. You can get through every one of them by talking or acting your way out of uh, through battles if you want. Or you can battle people. And sort of the the way that this balances out is there are cert- definitely certain rewards narratively to not defeating enemies. But if you talk your way out of every encounter, you never gain ex- experience points and you never level up. Which means that like when I was recently playing it, final boss of the game i'm still a level one hero (laughs) which means that i am taking massive damage if i get hit and i can deal no damage even if i wanted to and you've got that versus like the traditional jrpg route of you know you're defeating monsters and gaining experience points but not putting your effort into doing nice things for the characters that you're fighting which is a much more difficult path to go through um Other than that, there's this really interesting battle system where every time an enemy is trying to attack you, basically you control a little pixel heart in a square. And it's a little bit of a bullet hell shooter where there is just projectiles coming from all sides. And in order to avoid getting hurt by attacks, you have to use the arrow keys to move your heart around in this box and avoid touching any of the projectiles. (laughs) So... It's got this sort of like real time element to avoiding damage, which is really important if you're not leveling up and if you're talking your way out of everything. It's just a very interestingly put together JRPG. Um, And what really has got my attention is quite how much variation there is depending on how much or how little you fight people in the game. Like, you can go through the whole game killing no one, killing everyone, killing people up to a certain point and then stopping or not killing anyone and then changing your mind and starting at some point. And however you do the game, there's like... 
there is a lot of different branching ways that that narrative goes and a lot of very small things that are just like, oh, it feels like the world is reacting to what I am doing. Hmm. And it's really interesting. The The plot was absolutely heartbreaking. By the end of it, I was very, very sad. And like, oh, I hope I did the right thing. And I'm currently playing through it a second time. Like, my first time, I killed nobody. This second time through is going considerably quicker because I am murdering everything in sight. Bloodbath. Yes. <laughs> and I am hoping that, you know, there is... I, I'm maybe 20 minutes in and I'm already seeing some pretty big differences in the way the world reacts when I'm like, oh, I am like an eight or nine-year-old child who's been dropped in the world. I picked up a knife and started stabbing stuff. Hmm. So It sounds yeah. like the game Peter Molyneux should have made. Kind of, yeah. But no, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's currently the top-rated PC game on Metacritic, which is kind of amazing. I don't know how long it'll stay there, but it's it's maybe five or six hours to play through your first time, and it's a really sweet little game. I really recommend it. It's very well written, interesting mechanics. It's an interesting little game. Hmm. Actually, interesting that it's so short as well, because JRPGs are not usually known for their brevity. Yeah, like you've got maybe f- four towns in the whole in the whole game, and basically the idea here being that you can go through it a couple of times with relative ease. Um, remember where you need to go with everything. It's all fairly linear paths, but the the quality of the narrative and the writing is such that it never really felt like it was short. Like it still had all of the pacing notes of a larger sort of big epic tale, which is really well handled. Um, So yeah, there's that. Also, I got to date a skeleton in the game. So that's all good with me. I was fighting a skeleton. I started flirting and then we went on a date. It was wonderful. Oh, nice. I have a friend who'd love that. Yeah, dating skeletons is always good in my book. So, yeah, Undertale, that is a recommendation from me this week. Woo! Uh, let's go back to Kate. Kate, do you have any uh, any things you'd like to talk about that you haven't talked about yet? I've been watching some television. Television? Yes, which is French television. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Brooklyn back, woo! And How to Get Away with Murder is back, woo! Very different shows, but I've been watching them to each other which is fun um brooklyn 99 had uh i can't remember his name hang on a sec um let me look it up do either of you know that um, what to say gif yes uh, yes uh sketch <laughs> even gif oh my god uh, the meme his name is bill hader um yeah he's in that he's in it like he does anybody watch brooklyn 99 or had watched brooklyn Nine-Nine? um i haven't started this new series but i am otherwise up to date okay well basically one of the characters in it he kind of like it implied that he left he's still in it but just not in like he's just moved places kind of thing in it hopefully he will come back and or stay as a regular it's it is as last year's but i don't know i wasn't like laughing laughing um, like I, like the first five minutes weren't that good, and I was like, oh no, it's going to be terrible. But then it did pick so up. It's it's still enjoyable to watch, but like let's say this had been the first season, you it wouldn't have been the kind of thing you'd been like, oh yeah, everyone needs to go see this. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good, and I think it will pick up. Um, the other one was How to Get Away with Murder, which is a pretty dark show. You know, it's like a dry a drime. Oh my goodness, it's a crime drama. I, I think I vote that that's the new thing we call it. We call it drimes. It's grimy, but oh my god, it's just like everyone is. Everyone has murdered someone. <laughs> Everything is horrible. Everyone has like post traumatic stress disorder. It is horrendous. Everything's going wrong. And they put a twist in it, which is like a good twist. But at the same time, I'm like, "Mm, that's obviously not going to be the end. It's obviously going to be okay. Like, you know, it's a twist that's such a twist. You just know they're not going to go through it. If they do, then props to them. But I do not think they are going to be. And it's it's good, though. I'm enjoying it still. I've been following all the actors and stuff on um, Instagram. And so I've like seen them film uh this season uh which is quite funny because you know obviously in the show they all some of them hate each other mates on instagram and things um so i'm enjoying that and i think that's really what i've been watching at the moment at bake off 
haven't really had time to do much stuff because I've just been working and or studying. So, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, I very quickly, I watched a couple of series recently. Um, I watched the end of Rick and Morty season two and my goodness, that show is really good at doing the thing that Scrubs used to do where it's like, this is a comedy, but we're going to take a out of nowhere left turn and then get really serious and sad and there will be a lot of feelings. Um, season two of Rick and Morty has been really good at that. Like there was one particular uh, episode that without spoilers, it is the episode for anyone who's seen it where uh, Rick is dating a woman who is a hive mind and that controls all the minds on a planet. The <laughs> ending of that episode absolutely broke my heart as did the season finale. Um, the season finale of Rick and Morty was really good in that it had maybe, th- in in 22 minutes, it had maybe three distinct arcs that were all really well paced and felt substantial. It had two to three major shifts in tone that all felt like narratively justified and that they weren't um, too out of nowhere. A fantastical use of like licensed music to set tone and a heartbreaking ending that was just like, oh, my heart, this show is ripping my heart out of my chest. So Rick and Morty season two ended really strong. And the other one is a show that I believe is based on a Swedish book called The Killing. And this is a Netflix original series that is set in America about a woman who's just about to leave the police force precinct she was working in as a detective last day on the job and there is a body found and she's told just stay through the weekend finish working this case and it's about her sort of trying to work this murder case of this girl whose body has been found um in a trunk in a car that's underwater and the season one finale was a pretty huge cliffhanger where it's like oh yeah we solved it we had a resolution (gasps) oh wait and I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder, you know, if and when season two is happening. Netflix has four seasons of it. So I got very excited to be like, oh, I got really invested in this crime drama. Oh, there's three more seasons, which made me very excited because it's a Netflix original series. I assumed it only had its one season so far. So I was very excited about that. For clarification, partly because I've um, actually seen photos from this. It's uh, based on a Danish TV series. A Danish TV series. Yeah, uh, originally called Forbredelsen. Okay, there is a book involved, I think, somewhere as well, but it was adapted from somewhere in that region, so Danish. I Mm apologise for accidentally giving credit to the Swedes. (laughs) (laughs) I'd heard good things about the lead character in the Danish version, not least because she wears fantastic knitted jumpers. I wish I could say the same for this lead character. She does not wear fitted and knitted jumpers. She do, she is a fantastic, a fantastic actress. She does a very good job with the role, but no fantastic knitted jumpers, unfortunately. Um, Gemma, I want to ask you about, you apparently played a game of Artemis this weekend. Yes. Um, I think I've been, I have been waiting years to play Artemis. It's um, I am still waiting to play a proper game of Artemis. Is is it worth us explaining what Artemis is first for people yes. who don't know? Yeah, its full title is Artemis Starship Bridge Simulator, and it, pretty much everyone's heard of this. This is the game which lets you be on the bridge of a Star Trek ship, and it is every bit as fun as it it's, as it should be. Yeah, it's a game where you get multiple people to set their various computers up around the room, and it's like okay, I will be the captain and I will shout orders and you can control the engines and you sit over there. Mm. Well, more than that, it's actually got um, very compatible uh, Android and iOS versions. So uh, apart from the fact that a lot of the controls make more sense with touchpads anyway, we're also able to actually get a six-player game going much more easily. Um, I played it just a couple of days ago and we had all sorts of different devices all connected to um, the our hosts for the evening. They have a projector. So, of course, Ooh. that is where the captain's server goes on. That is pretty and, fancy. Yeah, so the captain is striding around with an iPad, just delivering orders and stuff. I was at the helm for the two rounds that we played. Um, and, yeah, we, we filled out the positions. So we had an engineer, we had a, a comms officer, a science officer, somebody on weapons, um, an engineering manipulating power to make sure that, like, shields and manoeuvring all had the right sort of values. 
And yeah, the, the game puts you into mission scenarios. Um, our first one was kind of a tutorial thing to try and get used to the controls, obviously. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was a space station was getting reports of like skirmish attacks or something. So we had to destroy a couple of ships and then the mission was complete. Um, that was enough given that the, the the helm is quite hard to control. So like, I, I struggled to steer the ship. But uh, mission two introduced asteroids, which was fun, and mines. So there was a steer around, which I didn't. But that was um, four space stations all getting attacked by various size fleets. And you have to basically defend each one. All but one of the space stations was destroyed, but that still meant we completed the mission. You still saved one. That is fine. That is more than would have been saved without you. (laughs) But it's really wonderful for, I mean, you really have to get into it. So the captain has to be the only person you can give orders because if there is too much talking between people, you lose the game. Um, There is, there really is enough to do at each station as well. The missions are designed very well. So that if you want to dock with a station, you have to get the comms officer to request docking permission. Then the helm can do the automatic docking and stuff. Um, you always need a science officer telling you like the various specs on the ships you'll be fighting. Um, it, it's really nicely meted out like that. And <laughs> it's even apparently quite entertaining to watch because um, our two hosts, unfortunately, were cooking our food at the time. But they were watching just the madness of because they get to see the uh, what was on the projector, like the the battle happening as it goes on and stuff, which I was completely oblivious to because I was too busy trying to steer the ship. I had literally no idea that three of our space stations got destroyed, for example. (laughs) That's for the captain to know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's it's a a really wonderful game. I mean, I certainly recommend it. Um, It the trickiest part is just, is just the logistics, but if you do get the opportunity to gather people around, the Android and iPad versions cost, um, well, they, they were like uh, two euros or 20 krona. I have, it's probably about £1.60 in the UK. Um, and the single license for like Steam uh, costs about fiver. So if you do end up with six friends in one place for a night, get Artemis and set that up. And it's just awesome. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And I definitely, like, I cannot wait to have a chance to play that with a group of people. It's one of those things I've wanted to sit down and play it properly with people for so long. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. you can technically play the game with two people, but definitely go for six if you can. Because <laughs> it oh, just makes yeah. it so much more fun. <laughs> of course. Um, uh, the stuff for this week. Kate. You've been playing Assassin's Creed 2? Yes! I've been doing a lot of late shifts, which means coming home at like half past 11, 12 o'clock. And obviously it's very difficult to sleep when you've just finished, like, you know, literally was at work an hour ago. So I've been playing video games to wind down. And I've got Assassin's Creed... Well, I think it's Assassin's Creed 2. It's Ezio El Dittore. Oh, yeah, Zetsio, the tutorial. it's his first one, and I started playing it. Am, am I right that this is the one where your tutorial at the beginning of the game is you are a baby and you yes! are told to wiggle? <gasps> yes! Yes, so this is, this is my one memory of Assassin's Creed 2, is that I went with some friends to buy this at midnight when it came out, and we oh, put it in, God. and we were going to play it together as, as a group, and it's like half 12, one in the morning, and we put it in, and the first thing you do is like, Hey, you are a baby. Wiggle your arm. Wiggle your leg. Kind of shake your head a bit. If you wiggle it in time, this I don't know if this is true. This is what the guy at work told me. If you don't wiggle it, like um, you don't like the mum is. Oh no, the baby didn't survive. <laughs> what? Really? Like, why? Why is that? Apparently, yeah, you just die if you don't wiggle your arms because they're like, oh, the baby isn't crying. And then it's, it was so weird. Yeah, because the um, final thing is like the speak button, which makes you like gurgle a bit. As, yeah, because it was just it, so weird. It is so weird when you're like, "Here's your tutorial: be a baby." Yes, it was. It really freaks me out. And then there's lots of running around and la di da, and it's it's good. It's better than the third one, which I've been playing a little, which I finished. Because although it's open world, you're not just running around for hours and hours trying to find where you're supposed to go, which is just so frustrating. Mm. But there's still a chance to like mess around and not actually do the, you know, if you don't really want to do 
characters you can just mess around and steal from people. Um, just what you were saying about the game earlier, where you were like, oh, I didn't kill anyone. I literally murder anyone that gets in my way. That's how I do Assassin's Creed. I'm never good at sneaking past, like, actively alive people. I, like, sneak in, kill you, sneak out, sneak in, kill someone else, sneak out until I everyone just... is dead. I will say, like, because in the third one, it's, it is sneaking and, like, you will lose the mission if you're detected. Or in the second one, you will, if you're detected, you have to kill them and then become anonymous or you lose the mission. So I'm just like, death all. So it's good. I enjoy, I'm enjoying it. And I think I'm quite far in it. Um, I don't check on the Wikipedia because it might spoil it for me. It's, I can, I, it's interesting to see everyone always talks about Assassin's Creed and how it's oh it's trying to be historical and stuff and talk about like the Knights Templar and things and it's got uh, Leonardo da Vinci in this one and I think I'm about to meet the Borgias so I can kind of see where they're coming from with this but then also it's a fun video game that people want to buy um I am enjoying it and I bought Assassin's Creed the first one I haven't been able to find a decent like a cheap copy of it but I found one for like two quid in CX so I have that and what was the other game we saw oh there was a hitman trilogy which was like three of them for a tenth which i will get at some point when i have money but yes i'm basically like a hardcore gamer now so <laughs> yeah look at you playing yeah. all the all the 18 to 25 male demographic video games yes, you know it yeah look at you um the only assassin's creed game that i have like played to completion was three like i've played bits <laughs> what? one apparently i don't know i know I, I i picked that one up when the wii u came out just because i was looking for stuff to play on that but... one, yeah yeah the one in like the the civil war it's so weird. like that is a, it's a weird game i mean assassin's creed is a really weird game but in that one you're running around new york and Boston. it's like you're native american and you're on the side of like the american revolutionaries not the british and wandering around boston and new york and it's like oh it's surrounded by british people like who are obviously your enemies so you have to be really quiet and then when you like liberate the entire city you're still like oh you have to be really quiet i'm like do i have no friends anywhere is there where i can be myself nope there is not you must sneak forever and then it gets weird at the end because it's like oh i got a giant glowing gold orb now the heavens are opening up and there's angels and i think i transcended time and space become an eagle at one point when it first teaches oh. you how to synchronize you become an eagle yeah you become an eagle and there's just like a sequence where it's like i am an eagle now time to fly <laughs> was, I mean, the synchronization thing is generally bizarre but that bit was especially weird i was like why am i an eagle okay so there's an expansion called the tyranny of king washington which is set in an alternate reality in which george washington rather than becoming president became a tyrannical dictator king and in that you become several animals like you can oh, become like a... you become a bear an eagle and a wolf <laughs> yeah there's like That's what amazing. there's like a third of it where you're just like i am the glowing gold wolf i shall be a ninja wolf yeah uh, assassin there are a lot like a lot of assassin's creed games and like they do not follow they do not follow much pattern and i've got some but i could not tell you what i've got and what i don't have so i'm just kind of grabbing like i finish this one i will grab another one and be like okay this one's next i guess maybe i love how this bears out and it's because different studios make them and they churn them out every year but they ubisoft seems to have some sort of um autonomy for these studios yeah it circulates i mean i don't know what the pattern is like now but there was a guy gave a, a pretty good talk on it actually he was um creative producer on black flag he gave a talk at the animex game festival in 2014 i think in middlesbrough Mm. um but yeah he was saying about how yeah like diff- just different ubisoft studios get given the license for a time and just like yeah. go wild with it <laughs> they they eventually like gave up on trying to have like a big overarching story and the story just became um the company that makes the animus thing that lets you go into your dna history uh we go into people's dna history now not because of the knights templar and the assassins no we do it to make we do it to make video games and this is the law inside the video game what? and like at, at one point you can basically go to like ubisoft's studios where the assassins creed games are made but inside assassins creed where they're making new animus games and like you can read the computer files which are basically people who work on Assassin's Creed, like their email complaint logs that have like been put into the game where they're complaining about all the things they hate at work. And it's 
that series gets very weird. I mean, I'm just looking, there's nine main series, but overall, and it just says other games, there's 21. So I'm guessing these are like spin-offs and things like, well, I've just apparently he falls in love with Lucrezia Borgia. A lot of people fell in love with Lucrezia Borgia, Han, like who won the first time, um, including her brother. But that's irrelevant. But I'm like, as somebody who likes history and likes popular culture and likes video games, I am happy with my Assassin's Creed love. But it's interesting what you said. Like, I am in that whole weird demographic of like a. 25 men i've also started a blog on makeup this week <laughs> yeah i saw you've been doing videos and stuff yeah i mean makeup and cosmetics and stuff has always been something i've absolutely loved and it's always something i've it's to me it's just about having fun and like sometimes i will wear full makeup and then sometimes i just cannot be bothered it's like i'm not one of those people who's like oh i can't leave the house yeah. without wearing makeup like i will gladly leave the house without my pajamas but then sometimes i'm like no i will spend two hours doing makeup but yes yeah, so go follow my new blog it's called mascara and chilled or tumblr oh gosh that is fantastic <laughs> I, I love anything. that i couldn't think of anything but um yeah i'm just doing like reblogging pretty things and talking about makeup that i like and i'm trying to do low spoon um beauty routines so like days where you don't have much energy or maybe you don't have much time but you're like i want to wear some or maybe you feel like you kind of maybe have to because you're, um, you know, you're doing a professional uh, engagement that maybe you want to kind of test just how you can do something that's literally going to take like two minutes but kind of just make you look a bit more awake because that's something I know I need a lot of the time. But yes, go and follow that. It's all fun and nice and for me is like either for everyone or if you don't want to wear it, that's cool. But the makeup community online, it's quite an interesting place in that some of like the biggest um, makeup uh, people on YouTube are like trans women, trans men, non-binary people, genderqueer people, um, lots and lots of like bigger men and women and non-binary people, um, lots of non-white people. It's like quite a diverse community. And although there are problems within that community, as pretty much I would say any online community has, like I started out with the first person I watched on YouTube was a woman called Lauren Luke. And she was like this working class um, Geordie who started doing it and ended up getting quite successful out of it, um, selling makeup, makeup tutorials. And she had her own line and stuff, which was really nice. And there are loads of people from all sorts of walks of life that I follow. And then some of them, you know, get really popular, get their own skincare lines and makeup lines and do collaborations with each other and things. Uh, it is quite a nice, I'm I'm impressed with how nice a place it is. People think, oh, you know, makeup, it's really, you know, anti-feminist and it's like lots of pressure and it's all focused on beauty. But because of the way makeup is, especially with stuff like eyeshadow, it doesn't matter what you actually look like. It's like, can you pick nice colours go together? You know, can you apply makeup in a way that is accessible to other people? You'll become more popular within that community, if that makes sense. Mm. But it's, yeah, it's a nice place and I'm hoping nicer with the presence of my face. Hooray! And you literally in the last 30 seconds have had a new follower, so... Oh, cute! You have at least one new person following you. Hooray! Uh, like, I didn't have any followers except my friend Monique and then um, I said I'd text my sister, like, follow this and she did, bless her, she's so cute. <laughs> uh, and I have ten followers, yay! Yay! Uh, Gemma, I, before we finish up, I think you've got a couple of bits left you still want to talk about, so do you want to talk about some bits? Yeah, I might save a topic for the next episode, actually, okay. and just briefly talk about the continuing on from last uh, last episode with Ingress, <gasps> oh, considering that can, has been progressing nicely. Can I very quickly do my update on Ingress? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. On, yeah. So I downloaded Ingress as soon as we finished last week's episode, and... Uh, like there's a ingress portal that's like within um, range of my flat and I've started doing some ingress stuff. Little bits here and there. Not crazy into it yet, but I'm doing it as and when I sort of feel like it and I'm enjoying it. Um, Within about 30 minutes of putting the episode up online, my mother was listening to the new Geek Night In, um, completely unprompted. And she was asking like, oh, what's this game Gemma's talking about? Ingress, it sounds good. So... I tried to sort of like, I booted my copy up and I was explaining to her how it works. She's now far more into Ingress than I am. She has 
for work she does a lot of driving around so she's been sort of trying to claim unclaimed portals that she spots while she's driving around for work and (laughs) she got her sister uh, my aunt she got her into it and she's been um she's been doing a lot of traveling for work to other countries and she's been like grabbing ingress portals around airports and things um then like my my mother's ex-husband got into it and like because of Gemma mentioning it on the Geek Night Inn, I'm suddenly watching this like slowly growing group of adults who have zero interest in video games picking up Ingress and getting far more into it than I have. <laughs> and that's really bizarre to watch where like it's just this rippling effect that since Gemma mentioned it, it's all these sort of men and women in their like late forties, early fifties that are like, This is amazing, I like video games. Yeah, I think actually going by the, um, the the media reports they have in World, they do like uh, YouTube videos every week, um, usually covering activities which have gone on. So when groups have gotten together to capture big portal areas, like I mentioned last week, um, a lot of those tend to be like uh, at the youngest, probably late 20s, and then just goes up from there. It does seem to be like quite a, an adult-focused thing. Yeah. I think because a lot of people tend to start with like, oh, I can try and capture things on my commute, and then it builds from there. Yeah. So for um, Kate, who missed this last week, um, basically oh, yes. this is an iOS game that uses like... And your, Android. And Android. Yeah, your sort of mobile phone game that uses your phone's uh, ability to tell where it is on a map. And in the real world, like certain locations might have these sort of portals on them. And your aim is to hack into these portals and take control of them to get stronger and take things over and basically try and you pick one of two teams and you are trying to turn all of the portals in the world to your color. Oh my God, this sounds stressful. It's it's also about linking them up. So your local area is covered with loads of portals, uh, most of which are things like places of worship and landmarks, places where people like, gather. Creed. Yeah, yes. it. Um, but then you you go around capturing the portal keys from them and you draw links between them and if you form a triangle that creates a control field and at that point you're controlling the minds of all the people in that area oh yes <laughs> for the benefit of your faction yeah um, i didn't know my mind was being controlled until i played ingress and then i'm like oh i guess my mind's being controlled but I'm now at this point where, because I've been playing it for a couple of weeks in my neighborhood, I get to come home and like uh, I'll, I'll I'll take one of four different routes home now, depending on which portals are taken or not, and whether <laughs> I can draw a link. And then I'll be walking home in a, a field of my own creation, and it feels wonderful. I, um, I'm currently having fun with... Um, there is a portal that is within reach of my flat and my work desk, so I've been working to try and take this portal for a little while and I'm just looking forward to the moment when I can like pinpoint you, you're the person that owns this portal. Like I, I want to claim this oh. portal so I can keep an eye out and try and spot whoever it is that's trying to take it back. <laughs> I have actually run into that now. Um, so this week, basically, I've gotten my husband more into it. So we've actually been going on walks around the local area uh, Gathering portals, getting him experience. He's now up to level three. I'd love it. Um, and just, yeah, like exploring our area because we hadn't had much opportunity to, or much motivation really to do so. Um, so I'm getting all this walking and stuff from a video game. I'm walking like 18 kilometers a week so far, which is great. Um, but we, we did so uh, once basically because our area has tended to be covered by a lot of green fields. But on this day, somebody had stuck a blue field right in the middle, cutting off. Uh, basically the north-south reach of most of these fields in the areas. So we went over to investigate and basically to attack the portal and destroy it and clear the path. Because to draw links, you have to have a, a clear path, really. You can't have like a another path crossing it, and certainly not a blue one if you're green. Um, so I was attacking it because I was the higher level, and I was knocking off a few resonators from this portal. And I noticed that actually it was taking a while longer than I thought. So I had to look back at the portal to see what its stats were like. The owner had refilled all the resonators and recharged all the things. He lived somewhere within range of where we were stood. Me and my husband stood out in this courtyard, like attacking this portal, and just all of a sudden we'd like look up and have to try and work out which apartment this person is living in. <laughs> and <laughs> of course we couldn't tell. But at this point I went into the um the all faction chat and just like tagged this user, just like 
shakes fist angrily, winky face, and got into like a very brief dialogue in Swedish about like, because usually it's like, ha ha ha. And then it's like, so do you live around here? It's like, yeah, live nearby and this sort of thing. Um, and it's got no further than that. But yeah, just this moment of going around on like what is effectively a training mission for my husband and just like, they're nearby. Somebody's like reinstating this portal from nearby us. It's quite a creepy but strangely warm feeling as well. <laughs> Especially to have spoken to the guy afterwards and just like, yeah. Yeah, well, that's why I'm sort of excited about this whole living near a portal where I'm just like, ha ha ha, I will now be that villain that <laughs> is refilling the portal as someone's trying to take it. You'll be that person who, like, if somebody stops outside your flat and looks at their phone for a particularly long time, you could just yell, like, oh, resistance, or whatever. <laughs> Which side are you on? Are you enlightened or resistance? I've forgotten. I am resistant. <gasps> as as is my mother and my aunt and my father. Oh, grief. We're all resistance. Okay, well, I'm enlightened, and I think you're wrong. You're, you're, you're hampering human progress. That you want to become improved? Don't you want to resist the improvement? No, I embrace <laughs> it. I'm Sith. <laughs> uh, so with that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up for this week. Hooray! Woo! Yay! We did another episode. Uh, time to do self-promotion. Kate, where can we find you and the things that you do on the internet? Mind us where those things are. You can find me on Twitter at what Katie underscore did, and also at my new Tumblr, mascaraandchill.tumblr.com. Don't laugh, it's awesome. It's a good name. It took three seconds to think of and a lifetime to regret. <laughs> <laughs> and Gemma, whereabouts are you on those internets? You can find me on Twitter at Goth, and I've just remembered you can also find me at I've basically redone my website and made a new one. So you can also find me at raygungoth.net and I've redone my game portfolio site at raygun-gothic.net. That's kind of the more games professional portfolio one, but it has my games on it and they're actually playable now, this sort of thing. So, oh no, knock yourself out at one of those. <laughs> and then you can find me at Laura K. Buzz on pretty much everything. Uh, I do stuff at Destructoid, I do a load of podcasts, I have a Patreon. Laura K. Buzz will find me on most of those outlets. So there we go. Thank you very much for listening, and we will have another episode for you again next week. Bye. Bye.